Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. Today we're talking about Turkey and the tumultuous events of the last five days following the foiled coup attempt against President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and his Islamist-rooted government. After hundreds were killed in the failed military takeover, a far-reaching crackdown on alleged plot sympathisers is tearing through the country, netting tens of thousands of military, judicial and government officials, and putting Ankara on a collision course with its Western allies worried about increasing authoritarianism and a lack of due process. President Erdogan blames Fethullah Gulen, a 75-year-old US-based Islamic preacher, for mobilising his supporters to instigate the coup, and has suggested that any failure by the US to hand over the cleric could endanger relations between Washington and a vital NATO ally. Joining me to discuss the aftermath of the coup are Mehul Srivastava, the FT's Turkey correspondent, and his immediate predecessor, Daniel Dombey. Mehul, can I start with you? The crackdown is so vast and so wide-ranging, it sort of beggars belief, doesn't it, that this is simply aimed at coup instigators? I've been trying to put this question to Turkish officials all day, that it cannot possibly be that every dean of every university in Turkey was somehow pro-coup and anti-government, or that this many thousands of people who've been involved in the civil service for so long are somehow required to be banned from travel outside the country. At this point, 5% of the Turkish population, which is a huge number, are being told they can't leave the country without permission. And the answer that I get from them is that this is all out of an overabundance of caution, and it's temporary, and things will eventually get better for the vast majority of people who are innocent out of the ones who are here. But given Turkey's reputation, the judicial process over here being quite weighted in the favor of what the government generally wants, it's quite difficult to imagine that these 60,000 people, 55,000 people, even if any of them were innocent, will actually ever have their lives or careers back. Dan, we know a little bit about Mr. Gulen, but who are the Gulenists and why is Mr. Erdogan so worried about their activities? If you have a couple of weeks, I can explain that in depth. Uh, since you don't, I'll offer a superficial analysis. Mr. Erdogan's party is in some senses similar to the Muslim Brotherhood or other Islamist movements or Islamist rooted movements in the Middle East and beyond. Mr. Gulen's movement is a different kind of movement. It's never been pan-Islamic in the same kind of way. It's never actually rejected the state in the way that those more overtly Muslim Brotherhood movements did. Instead, it's a movement that follows a very Turkish style of preaching, which sought to recruit followers who would work and distinguish themselves in the science, in exams, in mathematics, in education, and lead a discreet life in which they wouldn't really proclaim their membership of this grouping or this organisation, but instead would work under the surface, which was an understandable reaction in many ways because there was much, much persecution of religious-minded people in Turkey's history. As a result, when Erdogan came to power and his party came to power in 2002, with a core of support of pious people, very often from the Anatolian heartlands as well as from the poor areas of Istanbul, they needed these people from this different tradition. They needed the people who could be the bureaucrats and the police officers and the judges. 
They had a common enemy, which was Turkey's old secularist elite. And remember, Erdogan only came to power with little more than a third of a vote at that time. See, he needed all the allies they got. And they forged common cause. And Gulenists, police officers and judges in particular championed cases against the secular elite, who, to be honest, had a long history of plotting against Islamists. For years, that relationship prospered. Then it broke. It may have broken because the Gulenists wanted too much power. It may have broken because Erdogan felt the Turkish state was weakened by the Gulenists' big show trials. For whatever reason, it turned very, very poisonous at the end of 2013 when Gulenists' prosecutors and judges let rip with a corruption case that went deep into Erdogan's deepest circle. Since then, hostilities have escalated. And if we believe that this coup was, as the government says, a Gulenist-led coup, led by Gulenist elements in the army, it escalated to the astonishing degree where we saw the Turkish military attack the Turkish parliament and try and kidnap the Turkish president. Mehul, do you see the Gulenists as a real threat to Turkish stability? I have yet to be presented with any evidence to believe that the Turkish government is not being truthful in their belief that the Gulenists are behind this. People who were followers of Mr. Gulen had infiltrated significant parts of the government and it's clear that there was huge animosity between them and the government since middle of 2013, before that, during the Gezi Park protests. But I would say that even the government is astonished at the possibility that these people would have been able to carry off a coup against them, and one that was so violent, and almost, depending on different variations of the story, very close to being successful, if not for Mr. Erdogan's huge hold upon the Turkish people. I've spoken to Western diplomats, I've spoken to non-Western diplomats who are the ones who are privy to a lot of the information and analysts, etc. And there's certainly an idea that the core group of the people who plotted to overthrow the Turkish government here were definitely Gulenists. They caution that there may have been other people who joined in, you know, nationalists, opportunists, etc., and created a loose cohesion. But even though Mr. Gulen goes out of his way to deny this, I have yet to be told by anybody credible that he was not behind this. The crackdown on coup sympathisers has been especially severe in the military, in the judiciary, law enforcement. Turkey's got multiple security challenges. Surely this must be a concern that the government is essentially weakening the services that are required to safeguard the security of Turks. Is that an issue? It's certainly a worry. The only thing is that we don't know who these people are who are being detained or suspended. You don't know whether they were highly placed officials. Well, in the military, they definitely were, but in the police or elsewhere. But if you're going to have 55, 60,000 people suddenly leave their job and they were truly gunless, they were quite well trained, quite well disciplined, but not working in favor of the government at all. So in issues like schools, in issues like universities, the finance ministry where about 1,500 people were removed, perhaps the impact's not that huge. You can eventually build up that sort of capacity. But in security, in the way the police service works over here, the interior ministry where 7,000, 8,000 people have been sacked, there's a huge concern that on issues such as fighting ISIS, on keeping an eye on the PKK, which still remains a huge threat for Turkey, there'll be serious degradation in ability. I would just add that, you know, we've seen successive purges of the police and the judiciary since the very beginning of 2014. In fact, it was at the very beginning of 2014 that European diplomats told me that the people that their counterterrorism officials, their visiting police officials corresponded with, interacted with, had disappeared. The people who had knowledge of those anti-terrorist briefs had been moved or shunted to some way long forgotten province or traffic duty or whatever. We've had successive waves of these purges since then. What's new now, of course, is this new wave of purges of the military. We'd previously had the secularists purge from the military. Now we have many more people. 
And according to how you count, we have had anything between a quarter and a third of all generals or admirals now dismissed or indeed detained, which is a truly striking figure, particularly when you just think of the year that Turkey's gone through. Just a year ago, an ISIS bomb on the border with Syria killed more than 30 Kurdish volunteers. Just a year ago, in the end of July 2015. Since then, Turkey's gone through an absolute agony of a reignition of a war with the PKK, Kurdish separatists, which has killed more than 1,700 people, and successive ISIS attacks culminating in the terrible attack at Istanbul Ataturk's airport last month. This is a country with security challenges the like of which no other country in Europe confronts. So to do this to its security apparatus right now raises questions not just about Turkey's safety, but actually about the safety perhaps of the wider region as well. What are the sort of geopolitical ramifications of the aftermath of this coup and the crackdown and the increasingly authoritarian turn of the Erdogan-led government? Are we sort of seeing the estrangement between Turkey and the West? As Dan pointed out, with this many people successively being purged from the military, from the police and things like that, that vacuum is filled increasingly by the Islamic-rooted backers of the AK Party, the Justice and Development Party, that Mr. Erdogan helped birth and now has made the most powerful institution in Turkey. That bend that Mr. Erdogan has for authoritarianism will not get any softer now that this party has become more powerful. And international allies, the EU, America, have been warning repeatedly that they feel that these purges have gone too far, that they're moving too fast, that they may be skirting the edge of what law would provide. All day, yesterday and today, they've been very proudly showing off photographs of people, including the majority of coup plotters, where it's clear that they've been beaten, possibly tortured, and producing confessions. Now, those confessions are supposed to be part of the evidence that they will use to try and extradite Mr. Gulen from Pennsylvania. And we've been told repeatedly by U.S. officials that a forced confession will definitely not help Turkey's case to bring back Mr. Gulen. And this extradition request has become, at least in the last few days, a single issue over which Turkey and the West are now negotiating. And there's so much more that the West needs from Turkey, there's so much more that Turkey needs from the West that's been put on hold that has huge implications for the region. To depend upon Turkey, its air force base in Cherlik in the south, which is used to carry out operations against ISIS in Syria, air flights, warplanes, etc. And that they need Turkey's cooperation to keep foreign fighters who return via Turkey to Europe to try and capture them. And all of that is at risk over here. I would add just two points. First of all, a more immediate one is that the extradition request is incredibly tricky. Binala Yildirim, uh, Mr Erdogan's prime minister, has talked about countries that are not acting in friendly fashion, almost being in a state of war with Turkey. And yet, for Mr Gulen to be handed over, two things have to be satisfied. First of all, there has to be some kind of clear smoking gun linking him to the coup. Secondly, Turkey has to establish that it has due process. It's very hard to establish that in a world where two members of the constitutional court have been detained. So these are really huge issues which really could impact on Turkey's uh, relationship with the US. That leads to a broader question, which is, where is this country headed? There are strange parallels here between uh, the 2002 attempted coup in Venezuela that really consolidated President Hugo Chavez's control and set him off even more in opposition to the West. I don't need to tell you, to be honest, that there are many people in the AKP circles who have deep, deep, deep suspicions of the US. There are many people who regard Fethullah Gulen as a US agent. 
Mr. Erdogan's own spokesman was tweeting just yesterday, saying, you don't know us, but we know you, indicating very much that Western media wanted this coup to succeed as he tweeted a whole bunch of photos from the New York Times, the BBC and so on. There's a deep-set Turkish distrust of the West. There's a deep-set AKP distrust of the West. There was, I'm afraid, a very noticeable pause in the West's response to condemning the coup. The fear is that this could head to a fairly traumatic kind of split or at least a very considerable strain in that relationship. Okay, that's it for this week. My thanks to Mehul Srivastava and Daniel Dombey. World Weekly is produced by Hannah Murphy. Until next week, goodbye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.